The Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. All right, here we go. We are the Motor Mouths. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And uh, you are listening to a couple guys who love to talk about cars. We uh, talk about cars. We talk about repairing cars. We talk about driving cars. Talk about gassing up cars a lot lately. And <laughs> that we do. We talk a lot about that, a lot about gas. But uh, everything we're going to talk about here for the next hour is about cars. And it's you're probably actually listening right now in your car. If you're not in your car, you uh, recently spent some time in your car. Let's face it, we spent just about uh, more time uh, in uh, our car than anywhere else outside of our house and work. It's a second home if you commute enough. That's why it's so important to make sure to keep you know, keep care of your car, and uh, whether it is, as they say, a daily driver or uh, is something you cherish, you should keep care of it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We got uh, some questions we're going to answer today from our Rick's Powder Coating text line, also some emails. You want to reach out, you can do so. Rick's Powder Coating text line is 683-0989. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook at the Motor Mouths 989 You can find me on Twitter at Bud Motormouth, and we got themotormouths.com. I'm on Twitter at I am Ditch. Uh, something we're excited to uh, bring to you uh, in the coming weeks, hopefully next Saturday or maybe the week after Either way, we're going to go on a field trip next week to meet with the people from Ford in Blue Oval City. Now, we're not actually going out to where they're moving dirt right now because there's nothing there but a bunch of bulldozers. We're actually going to go to another undisclosed location where we've been given the opportunity to uh, drive one of these F-150 Lightnings. One of my first questions is going to be, and this is, I think this is a fair question, are they building the F-150 Lightnings at Blue Oval City? Because we've heard otherwise. Yeah, it's, we've got a few conflicting reports yeah, on that. When we were, when, that, when the whole announcement of the mega site, the West Tennessee mega site was announced, and then it was initially, you know, officially named Blue Oval City because of the Blue Oval logo, a logo that Ford has. Uh, they also were talking about the Ford F-150 Lightning a lot. And so that led everybody to believe, including us, that that's where they were going to manufacture this truck. And come to think of it, a lot of the, like, advertisements and articles I saw about this just said they're going to be building their new electric truck there, which we all just assumed was the, the yeah. F-150 yeah. Lightning. So I, I, that, that's something I'm, I'm, I want, that's a thread I want to pull. I want to see what's going on. I was wondering, too, if they were going to be building the Maverick there. That's their sort of mid-size hybrid truck kind of like the kind of like the little bit bigger than the ranger and that thing looks pretty cool but i don't know if that's what's going to be built there either so we'll ask that question i go that that's probably not the biggest question on most people's mind it's when is it going to be done when can we drive something we're going to have the opportunity we're really uh, fortunate to get yeah, it's to. about time you came with me on one of these field trips yeah. man looking forward to it. actually come to think of it i kind of wish they would let us drive it out at blue oval city take it off road you know just go up and down the dirt mounds <laughs> yeah. and that thing that take it through the take it through the uh the ringer on the all the off-road stuff so we'll let you know how the experience was but the thing the thing that's positive about you know all the talk about electric vehicles you take all the politics out of it because there's been a big political push recently with electric vehicles Take that aside. What has happened is, and I don't know if there's a pivotal point with these auto manufacturers where they have finally realized the cars, the electric cars, don't have to be goofy looking. Right. And they also, they can be completely practical. And there's a, there's a market for them. People actually want to buy them. I mean, put the politics aside. There are people like myself who are curious about them, interested in them, and have driven them and find them kind of cool. And that, I, I, that gets overshadowed so bad by all the politics. As soon as you say, yeah, that, you know, electric vehicles, I think they're kind of cool. They're kind of interesting. They're fun to drive. All of a sudden, they're, oh, so you're trying to replace 
all the gas cars. And right. it's like, no, I'm not I'm not trying to my, do all that. My biggest thing was, you know, for years, uh, people laughed because a hybrid car always looked goofy. It was not, they, they used a completely different body and everything was different about it. And, and Priuses are not fun. I'm not no. going to sit here and defend a Prius. They, okay. they are pretty lame. Um, but they have somewhere at some point, there was a pivotal point where the auto manufacturer said, okay, we can make a Ford F-150 pickup truck electric. It doesn't have to have this weird, goofy body style to it. It doesn't have to say, ooh, look at me. I'm, I'm you know. You're talking uh, about the Cybertruck, aren't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm driving around uh, an electric vehicle because, you know, I'm conscious of the climate. They realize that, no, we just, we want, there's going to be people who want. I don't say yet I do, but who want just to be able to drive the vehicles and the cars, the trucks that we're used to. With electric-powered uh, yeah, Come home, in plug them. it in, save yourself the trip to the to Doesn't the gas have to station. be goofy. So that's my, the point of bringing all that up is this Ford F-150 Lightning. We saw one at the Memphis Auto Show. It looks just basically like a Ford F-150. Yeah, you don't really notice there's anything different until you open the frunk, which is a, a great feature I think a lot of people are attracted to. Explain people what a frunk is. So they've, ba you know, with the, without a big engine in the front of the truck, there's a ton of space, and there's there's at least a three corpse trunk up front. <laughs> three corpse trunk. Well, you, you remember you remember ditch. Uh, human bodies are the standard unit of measurement for that's, trunks that's and for point. frunks as well. Yeah. But not only that, it's got a it's got like a space you can use for a cooler. So the, like there's like a lower panel you can just, toss some ice in there. And just think of the amount of people you can sneak into the drive-in theater with the frunk. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I still got to go to the drive-in theater over here. This one's incredible. It's like six screens over there. There was yeah. a car show. It was a uh, uh, cars on Main or uh, on Summer Avenue. I went mm -hmm. to it was pretty good plenty of space for it so we're 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 going to test drive the f-150 lightning this week and uh i think next week we'll have some information about it maybe actually even somebody from blue oval city which between the memphis well i say the memphis the west tennessee plant and the kentucky plant there's going to be eleven thousand new jobs created excellent and, um, and yeah you know let's throw it out let's throw it out to the listeners do you have any questions for these guys from blue oval city is there anything that's of concern to you are you interested in the cars they're putting out or when the jobs are going to be available what do you want to know 6830989 shoot us a text and we'll we'll add it to our list of questions for this uh uh, interview and they've had uh, you know i've seen some of the renderings of what it's going to look like and from the structure st side of it it's nothing incredibly fancy uh, just it's just massive that's what it is uh the the footprint of this ford plant is going to be massive and next to it is an sk plant which will build batteries that's one of the questions i have is what is the what is the shelf life of these batteries how long will they last how many times can you charge them i know like with my phone the more i have it the more i use it the more i let it drain and charge it the less amount of time the battery is good for and sooner or later you're charging your phone every you know couple of hours or something like that and it's time to replace it when that battery wears out i'm i'm curious about how what what the lifespan of these batteries is we know that we know that with teslas if you have to replace the battery it's more than half the cost of the car yeah that's the most uh, one of the most costly things on the vehicle and i think the infrastructure of the batteries is is there's some ideas that are working out there that i may be a, a, a reality in the future and now you go to these quick choice quick like quick lube or these oil change locations i foresee it we, we've actually seen some video of this the, just the it, hot swapping instead of a, an oil change they turn into a battery swap you just pull in the guy under the bay it lowers the the, the dead battery or the battery that needs recharge they put a newly charged battery and you hit the road 
You don't have to sit there and wait for the recharge. The engineering around that is going to be very interesting because there's got to be some kind of regulation around how secure the battery has to be. And if it's easily detachable, it's going to be less secured to the vehicle. So they're, the engineers are going to have to come up with some way to make that economical yeah. and, and make it like a viable strategy. But I don't, I don't see it outside of, you know, I, I don't see it outside the realm of possibility. It's just one of those problems they're going to have to solve. And uh, I was curious to see if we would see any more development in batteries because um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Formula E. Uh, Volkswagen has gotten really big into this. It's, it's not totally on my radar. I usually leave that to the racing guys. But uh, they, the rule for Formula E is you get one battery, one charge. That's so yeah. th that's a great way to drive innovation because you're going to have these engineers trying to win these races, figuring out the best way to maintain a charge and have as much energy available. I'm also, I'd also like to, to uh, ask some questions of these guys as to, you know, what's the strategy? Do you, do you, do you burn up a lot of energy early and get a, get a good lead or do you, do you save it and potentially not use it all if you don't, if you don't dole it out properly? So um, there's definitely some, there's definitely some places to go with that, but I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of Formula E stuff ever since I remember Volkswagen was talking about pulling out of Formula One and focusing on Formula E, but I haven't I haven't seen a whole lot on that afterwards. But uh, speaking of electrical vehicles, Ditch, there's rumors being kicked around that the new Cherokee is going to be an electric vehicle or like a plug-in hybrid. So the they're talking about they're they're going to retire this version of the Cherokee, which they've been making since 2014. It's the their their compact SUV, but it's getting killed in the market by the Rav4, the Honda HRV, the uh, Ford Escape. Those are all you know right in that same class, and those are much more popular. The new Cherokee just isn't pulling the numbers. So uh, Chrysler's talking about they're going to remove that product line and redesign it. And the speculation is that it's going to be either all electric or it's going to be like a plug-in hybrid, like I was saying. Are they banking on the Jeep? You know, Jeep has turned into. Uh, maybe it hasn't just recently turned into, but it's it's a it's a lifestyle vehicle. Oh yeah, I mean the, the, the Wrangler is a whole a whole. There's a whole yeah. you know subculture, and you know we've got we've had the Jeep guys on here before, and the Jeep guys love their Jeeps. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I know that the the, the Cherokee brand was also somewhat of a lifestyle, but that was the more boxy. Yeah, that's the the XJ that I've got, and that, the the whole like world around those didn't really develop until after they stopped making them. But and there's just so many aftermarket parts available. <laughs> But I don't see this version of the Cherokee. No, uh, this is this is a this is a this is an appliance car. Right, exactly. This, this, is, this is a small, <laughs> compact SUV to take the kids to soccer practice and all that stuff. But the it, it doesn't perform as well as those others in its class. It's not as compact as like the Rav Four or the Ford Escape, and so it's a little bit bigger. It's almost to the point you can't call it a compact. And that whole market is getting eaten up by crossovers yeah. and and now uh, smaller electric or, or hybrid cars. So the the Cherokee is kind of uh, like a, kind of like a, almost a fringe thing. And I, I personally am not a big fan when they, especially they, they put um, the CVTs, which is the con continuous variable transmissions, which is a, a different kind of automatic. And it's based on like a belt. And they're not very good coming oh, wow. from Chrysler, at least from 2014 on. I've, I've kind of I've kind of gone a little easier on Chrysler recently because I've driven some of their newer stuff. They were they were struggling with their with their engineering uh, around 2014 because that's when Fiat bought them and they they rearranged the engineering team and they made a lot of mistakes. The Patriot is one yeah. of those mistakes. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. and uh, the the Renegade, which it, they're fine, they're okay to drive, but I don't think they're very durable. They're pretty much it's Fiat engineering. It's a Fiat 500S with the Jeep logo on it, and they're not great. And and the uh, what what they did with the with the Cherokee is 
fine. But I, again, I, I, I don't know why you'd want one of, if you could ha- get yourself a Ford Escape or a, or a RAV4. RAV4s are great. I just think that, you know, the, the continued effort to rebrand the, the legacy cars that we know, like you brought up the Renegade. I had a, uh, a mid-80s model of the CJ7 Renegade. I loved it, man. It was, it was great. But, you know, the bringing back, back the Bronco, bringing back some of the classics, I, I just, because it, it, they're just not the same. The, right. The, the new versions of them, I guess, just not what they used to be, and there's the loyalty is not there either. Yeah, and I, f- I feel so late to the party with that Bronco that I didn't realize until I until I saw one in person that it's a direct competitor yeah. for the Wrangler. It's it's you know very similar dimensions, and it's it's it's, it's marketed to that same uh, buyer where they want some kind of cool off road type vehicle, and they're going to put giant mud tires on it and never take it off the road. <laughs> I mean, the new version of the Bronco is, it's almost as if they went after directly after the International Scout. I mean, there was, uh, if you remember the International Scout, uh, the Scout Comanche, I believe is what it was called. And I don't even know when those were, I just grew up on a farm and we had a lot of international vehicles, which got bought out and it's now a completely different company. And I do believe Matt Keegan brought up a couple of weeks ago that the Scout is going to be Make it a comeback. Make it a comeback. But my point about this comeback stuff is I hope that it's true to the original Scout. Of course, they'll always have the modern technology in them, and maybe that's what I don't like about some of these new versions of the old cars. But the Ford Bronco, it's like, man, you guys just basically went right after the the body size and style of that international Scout, and it just it doesn't... It to me does not look anything like the old boxy Bronco. I though. love those old those old late eighties, early nineties Broncos. Yeah. They're gigantic. I remember there was a chase scene in uh, the first Bad Boys movie with one, and that was really when I when I first like noticed them and, and thought they were great. And they they're great for uh, you know aftermarket builds and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and putting bigger motors in them, putting lift kits on them. There's there's some there's some fun to be had with those. The new ones they're 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 like okay. I I still haven't driven one, so I can't completely judge it. But I don't think they're terrible. You know what I did? Like we were talking about bringing back the old names and, and making retro versions of them. Uh, I get a lot of flack for this. I loved the Thunderbird in the early 2000s when they when they did the it had that tiny little like 3.8 V8 in it and or like a 3.7. It was tiny, but a uh, little two seater convertible, and it was I think the styling was very much um, a, a, a proper homage to the old Thunderbirds from the 50s. Yeah. Like, I still would get one if I could, but they're, they're, they're crazy expensive. I see them on Bring a Trailer occasionally, and they're still selling for 18 to 26 grand or more, depending on the mileage. But I was, uh, I was looking up the value of a 76 International Scout, just talking about that, and if you have one in decent condition today, it's going for thirty, about $32,000. They're rare. You don't see them much anymore, but... And I've you probably it. wouldn't recognize them if wouldn't you saw them most of the time. One. I saw one of the Thunderbirds you're talking about actually uh, over uh, the weekend uh, parked over there by Three Little Pigs Barbecue, man. And I, I took a couple of different looks at it. That's just, that was a good period of time for the Thunderbird. I like those. Um, all right, so coming up here on the Motor Mouths, we're going to get to some of your questions. We have some emails we're going to uh, get to. We actually also have a, a text in from the Rick's Powder Coating text line from Leslie about a, a uh, panel cluster. We may have Leslie on with us. Either way, we're going to address the question. Uh, uh, we got another it. one about uh, we got another one about a blend door. So we've been talking about that the past couple of weeks, and this is one I'm actually quite familiar with. So uh, I can't wait to talk about that. 
And we, we also, you know, it's probably there's a lot of conversation about gas these days. And, uh, you know, there's so many different gasoline has become a political tool. And we try to stay on the motor mouths out of that game uh, and just worry about what's going into your car or truck. And uh, right now it's more ethanol than it, than it is and has been in the past, I guess. But it's still only 10%, right? Right, and it's going to be labeled if it's anything more than that. So just know what you're putting in. And I still, every t- every time we, we talk about ethanol, I talk. I, I have to bring up, I don't like E85. I get that question from a lot of my friends and family. Should I put this E85 in my car? It's cheaper. And I always say, just don't do it. Ethanol it's not good is, stuff. what do they call it, hydroscopic or whatever. It soaks, it, it has a, uh, it, it absorbs, it absorbs water, moist, moisture yeah, from the moisture. air, basically. And uh, it can be, well, that's why you have small engines that say yeah. do not use ethanol blended fuel. Yeah, and I would say, would say eth- um, higher ethanol gas is is worse if you don't drive a lot. If you're filling up like me, I fill up once a month because I'm so close to the studio here. I don't I don't put a lot of miles on my car, so that that gas just sits in your tank. If you're burning through a tank every other day because you're commuting so much, it probably wouldn't be as big a deal. But again, I can't I I, I can't get behind E85. And if you do decide to give it a try and put E85 in your car, make sure you're almost empty when you switch over. If you're at half a tank of 87 and you put 85 in there, you're gonna screw up the computer. Basically, the computer reads what's coming in mm-hmm. and adjusts your ignition accordingly and uh, and your fuel injection. And if you have a half and half, the computer's not gonna know what to do with it and it's gonna run like garbage. So would you say more than anything, it's uh, it could be potentially long-term damage the vehicle over time, but mainly, right, the first thing you're going to realize is poor performance. Yeah, they, it, it, it burns. It, well, actually, the E85, supposedly, you get a little bit more horsepower out of it. Again, I've never experienced that myself. This is just what I've heard from people. But you're going to burn through it so fast, even though it's only like a buck ninety for E85 or whatever it is. Now, it's it's probably gone up with everything else. It's, it's going to be cheaper, but you're going to burn through it faster. So it ends up about evening out with E87. So, uh, and if it's got the if it's got the the fifteen, if you're if you're looking at um, the the fifteen percent ethanol, consult your owner's manual. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to tell anyone to use it one way or the you're other. You're on your own. You're on basically. your own. Look at your <laughs> look at your manual. Ask the manufacturer before you just start dumping fifteen percent ethanol into your car. Who uses mid grade fuel? Yeah, we still haven't got an answer on that. Yeah. We still haven't. Who puts silver in their car? And, and I, I imagine too, as a result of that, we, we, I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I find myself wondering: Does it sit in the tanks under? the station longer than premium or 87 because nobody seems to be buying it again i i, I have yet to see a car that that says put silver in this car it's either premium or a <laughs> regular my marauder my marauder takes premium so what is the purpose of premium then just in case you're you don't have quite enough money for the premium i mean the mid-level so what well, i mean really what is the purpose of it it's like this is the kind of you're almost broke so you you can't quite afford the premium price so you yeah. know, you don't and, want and to putting burn it the, the low grade, so you get a you know spend a few more cents on the mid grade. And and putting it in your car that's designed for E eighty seven will not make it go faster. I have to bring this up every time because I still I still hear it out there. I still see it on. Uh, I still people see people posting this question on like all these Facebook groups I'm in, where it's like, is it worth it to put ninety three in my car if it doesn't take it? <laughs> it does. It's not going to. Is it going to make it any, go faster? It's not going to do gonna, anything for am you. Am I going to get better gas mileage? None of that. None of the above. So uh, we're going to get a little bit more into into that. I don't know when. When are they going to change? Because it was uh, the the EPA said they were going to uh, set the 2022 level of corn-based ethanol blended into gasoline. Uh, but when was that actually going to happen? I mean, I haven't seen any. And these things go so slow. I haven't seen any mentions of it at a gas station anywhere because that's the other thing we were told. We actually, I think maybe on Memphis Morning News had a guy come on and said, oh, you'll, there will be signs at gas stations posted. 
but I have yet to see one. Yeah, I, I know I saw some, I forget where I was, I think it was on a road trip, but I saw a gas station that was, uh, it had, e it had uh, the 15% the ethanol mm -hmm. available, and probably cobwebs growing on that thing. I don't think anyone's going to use it anytime soon. And again, I know we've talked about it. There's, there's engines out there, particularly small engines, where you need to find pure ethanol-free gasoline. Ethanol-free gas, yep. And it's, I know it's expensive, man. It's much more expensive than what you're already paying. But, but so is buying a new generator. Yeah, you know, that's because, a good point. Because you wore it out, so... Um, yeah, I would say, you know, again, what, the, 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 the answer is always consult the manual. What, whatever, whatever you're uh, working with, whatever car you're driving or whatever machine you're operating, you know, consult, consult the manual uh, about what it should be taking. And there is a difference, as Bud's always said, you know, oh, it doesn't make any difference if, I, if I'm, if I'm going to burn one or the other. There actually is a difference. The same thing with the oils, and it's the same thing with uh, a lot of the, the, um, the liquids uh, the, the, that you put in your engine. There's reasons for it. There's reasons for the color. There's reasons for the numbers around uh, uh, the different uh, 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 things that you put in different parts of your engine. And, and there's a reason for it. So that's why you should always look at the manual. It's pretty easily uh, uh, stated. So we're going to keep uh, the conversation rolling here with you on the Motor Mouths. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to get to some of your questions. Also, the sweet ride of the week. It's all coming up. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. Like putting premium gas in a 94 Mazda Miata. The Motor Mouths. Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. All right, welcome back to the Motor Mouths. It's always important if you have information about uh, an event coming up that we know about it because we like talking about it. It's what we do here on the Motor Mouths. We talk about cars. We drive cars while we talk about cars. We talk about cars while we look at cars. Yeah, we repair cars while we talk about cars. <laughs> sometimes we even drive cars while we repair cars, or do we do that? Not entirely recommended, but sometimes you have to. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have an event coming up that's car-related, let us know. A couple of different ways you can jump on it. You can go through our Rick's Powder Coating text line, and we call that 683-0989. That's 901-683-0989. We're on the social medias. Of course, we're on Facebook at the Motor Mouths 989. You can find me on Twitter at Bud. Motormouth, and we've got the motormouths.com. A couple of car shows that are uh, uh, coming this way the uh, Lake City Community Festival, uh, that is Lake City, Arkansas, that's coming up here on July 2nd, complete with the car show. In September, I know it's a, it's, it's a ways out yet, but the Collierville Police Department's classic car show, which is also a benefit, that is happening. Mark that on your calendar. Just know about it. It's coming up September 17th. There's also a uh, the Delta River Cruise-In. That'll be 15th to the 18th. Uh, that's, again, that's September at Hollywood Casino. And uh, if there's an event coming up, even if it's just a small, you know, coffee and cars kind of show on a Saturday you want people to know about, we're more than happy to uh, broadcast it here on the Motor Mouths. We yeah. always appreciate that. We also got the Collierville Cruise Night Wednesday, July 6th at the Collierville Town Square. Oh, yeah. That'll be a good one. I'm going to try and make it out to that one. Yes. And uh, if there's one coming up that you want us to know about here on the Motor Mouths, let's go, man. Get us the information, and we'll certainly let people know about it. There is a couple of websites that are usually good for uh, specific area car shows. 
And it, you know, Bud, when you first got to town, you said I, there's not really one specific place to find information out about car shows. And you know, it is there's a couple of Facebook posts or a, a Facebook pages, the Mid South Car Show Association, a couple yeah, others. Memphis that, Street Rods, those guys usually post what's yeah. going on. Uh, uh, Mid South Mopars. And I was just looking on the Memphis International Raceway webpage, and it's unfortunate that there's nothing posted there because there is no more. They actually this this last week had some garage sales and we're selling off some of their equipment, which is. I kind of uh, want to know where the tree sucks. went. I'm just curious. The, the light tree, yeah. Yeah, did they, they auction it? I don't know if they did or not. Somebody I'm sure paid good money for it if they if they didn't. Um, I'll ask the uh, I'll ask the uh, the racing guys in the Real Deal Racing Report if they know what happened to it. Uh, we're gonna get into some more of your questions as well. We had some uh, emails. We also have uh, text <laughs> messages. We're gonna be talking dashboards today. We're gonna be talking dashboards. Nothing more difficult, I think, working on a car. At least in the experience that I've had, just as a a, you know, uh, an enthusiast really more than anything, l- learning about what there is so much that goes behind your dashboard from the tubes for the uh, the air conditioning system and the heater system to the uh, blend doors, which we'll get into that, which can be a complete pain and in a the total nightmare. I can think, think of three cars that it's a nightmare scenario if you have to change the blend doors out. Listen, I've had to replace heater cores and I've all, while I was doing it, I was saying I want to meet the engineer who thought this was a good idea to put this heater core back here behind all this. Oh, stuff. that's common. Yeah, you work on a car. Yeah, I know you, you, you're out for blood with the engineers. That's <laughs> that's that is that is a tale as old as time, my friend. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, we're, so, uh, we're, you were, we're you were working on you were working on uh, Chad's car, weren't you from uh, his truck so, uh, from uh, Kicks 106? Yeah, one of our. Uh, uh, one of our family of radio stations here, the one of the guys who's on the air there on on our country station, he had uh, an an altercation with a yellow pole, you know, and he those, lost. Then you and he lost his bumper lost. So he asked me about putting one on. I said, "Listen, Chad. I said you can go online, get an aftermarket bumper that meets all the specs, uh, OEM, all that stuff, and we'll put it on for you. It's going to be okay." I volunteered Bud to help me. Uh, <laughs> Bud uh, got lucky. The silver lining to Bud's sickness this last week was that he didn't have to deal with. You call Chad's, getting COVID lucky, huh? <laughs> didn't have to deal with Chad's I'd rather bumper. Be, I'd rather be at 100 degrees in a parking lot working on a bumper than have that. One again. thing I learned about the bumper story with Chad's truck is a GMC Sierra, and I've known this uh, because I've done this myself a few times. I've referenced YouTube. I told Chad, I said, "Up, oh, we'll get a YouTube video." I said, I, "I've replaced my bumper on my Dodge a couple of times, the front and the rear." It's not a big deal. Um, it really isn't. He, his is just like any other pickup truck. You know, there's a few that connect to the frame. Mm-hmm. He's got the hitch underneath there. You don't have to take the trailer hitch off or the mounting for that at all. You just have to loosen a little bit. But here's what we learned with the YouTube stuff. And I'll say this, and I'll say it two or three times. You you must reference more than one source. You can't just pull one video up, watch one guy do it in the video, and say, all right, that's it, let's go. Right, and there's going to be something that comes up. There's going to be something different. Maybe the year was just one year off. Maybe, you know, we pulled up a video that said uh, 1999 to 2010 or whatever the span was, and maybe that actually was not legitimate. Maybe the scope of those years should have been smaller. There's the, also different options, you know, if yeah. you if you got the V8 or the V6 or whatever the case may be for your particular and car truck. And believe it or not, the, the that reference right there about what size engine matters with a lot of parts, uh, whether it's directly connected to the engine or not. 
Right. Uh, there, there's different I've seen different specs. windshield wipers. Yeah. Based on on the specs on those specs. It just and, and it's funny people scoff when they go to the parts store and they you know be like yeah I'm looking for windshield wipers. Okay, what size motor? And and they're, they're they, like they why do you need to know that? Why do you need to know that? Yeah, yeah. and you'd be surprised. You really would be. So the reason uh, I'll just get to the end of the story here. We took the bumper off. We watched the video. The guy pulled off the bumper. He took out the bolts. I got underneath there with my creeper. I identified the ones that needed removed from this this uh, Sierra. And I said, all right, I'll get these. I got, uh, you know, I uh, got the impact, <laughs> took them off. And uh, and one thing the guy showed was in this YouTube video is he said, once you get them off, you know, it's gonna you're going to make two people. It doesn't just slide off. Right. Because there is a lip underneath there that gets caught in the bed of the pickup. And you have to twist, uh, uh, tilt that bumper in a way that, that those, the lips, I guess is the best way to put it, almost like hooks, don't snag on the edge of the bed. And if you, 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 this guy had a buddy of his literally standing on one end of the bumper until that thing, you know, got underneath the bed enough so they could pull the bumper off. Well, guess what? And the guy said, okay, there you go. It's off. And then, you know, you just do everything in reverse order and put it back on. Right. Well, that's not how you do it. Uh, and we learned the hard way. We tried to put the new bumper on. We took the brackets that came with the new bumper. We mounted them on the bumper. And then we said, all right, let's try to shove it back in there. And, and it, it doesn't the, work. The though. brackets, were, were, they go on after. You got to hook them to the, the bumper first. The brackets go on first. So we had to disconnect. We had to take everything apart and put the brackets on the frame first, and then you just literally slide the bumper right into the brackets and bolt them down. I told Chad, I said, "Dude, this is why you have to." We, I'm not just Chad, me as well. You've got to learn, man. You, 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 you got to reference more than one video. And we pulled up a couple other videos, and that's that was it. That's why it we, would be nice if we if there was free access to the all data or the Mitchell guide, which the. the you know, most mechanics, once they get to a certain point, as long as you have a as long as you have a guide, as long as you have the manual or you have something to reference like a YouTube video, it's all downhill from there. Uh, I've always said that if you're not a mechanic and you're not mechanically inclined, YouTube isn't going to train you. You're not going to yeah, be a mechanic, a mechanic from that. out of a three-minute video. I, I, I always wanted a T-shirt that had the ASC certification logo that said YouTube certified. But, <laughs> yeah. um, so that's know. the lesson learned. Reference more than one video. Right. Absolutely. And so. And, and if you can get a get an actual manufacturer's guide, you know they used to make the Haynes manuals. Mm. You know I don't know or the uh, I don't know if you can still get those for for modern cars, but you know I, I rebuilt an entire motor for for my Jeep Cherokee with just the manual. So once you once you have if you have the information and you're mechanically inclined, you you can pull it off. But I always I, I would agree, don't just use YouTube as your reference. Yep. And if you're gonna you're gonna have to do, do watch more than one video, that's for sure because. We learned our lesson the hard way. All right, Ditch, I'm ready to jump into my favorite part of the week, which is, of course, I got the Sweet Ride of the Week. The Sweet Ride of the Week. So I came across this post. Uh, if you don't follow Bring a Trailer on Twitter, I highly recommend it. I always see cool stuff coming out from those guys. They're always selling always selling all kinds of nonsense. I love it. And uh, this week I saw something that caught my attention is the 1996 Impala uh, SS, the Chevy Impala SS. These things were built on the uh, B-body platform. It's the same thing as like the Caprice, the Roadmasters, stuff like that. But this one is a big, heavy sedan with a Corvette motor in the front of wow. it. Wow. And uh, I, I kind of have a soft spot for these because these are like sort of spiritual competitor for my Mercury Marauder. The Mercury Marauders came out in 03, 04. These pre, uh, predated them. They only released them in 95, 96. They sold a total of 69,000 uh, of these. But basically, they're a 260-horsepower full-size muscle sedan. And both of them, the Marauder and the Impala, were the last attempt of these American cars to make these full-size muscle sedans. I mean, you can still get a Mercedes with a twin-turbo V8, but I, I hardly think that's considered muscle uh, in, the in the traditional sense. 
But these uh, Impala SSs, these things are still selling for 10 to 15 grand for a good example. There's one on Bring a Trailer that I saw. Uh, the current bid's only 2,500, but it's still got a week left on it. Uh, I'm curious to see where this one actually uh, sells, but it's it's mint. It's in like perfect condition, and uh, I always love the wheels on these things. And Tim Allen even has one of these, and he <laughs> he had it manual swapped. Oh which wow. These weren't offered in manual. The Marauder either, and I've seen the Marauders manual swapped. You can put uh, you can put Mustang transmissions on those because they use the same motor. The Marauder is a big car. That's got to be like a two ton sedan. That thing's huge. Four, Forty seven hundred pounds. Woo! And it's got is it the Interceptor? Uh, is it more powerful it, than? Yes, the the interceptor had the single overhead cam V8, and uh, they're both 4.7 liters. But the one in the Marauder had the dual overhead cam, and it was also higher compression ratio. It uses premium gas, so, so they'll outrun the, an interceptor. What was the what? I, I, I'm, this is kind of a silly question. The interceptor was a police cruiser. The Marauder was for the citizen to have a car that could beat the police. I suppose so. <laughs> I mean, why not? It was it was marketed as the luxury. Uh, muscle version of oh, the you. of the, uh, the the Panther platform, which is that's the Crown Vic, the Mercury uh, Grand Marquis, the Lincoln Town Car. Those are all built on that platform. That's and you're putting that up against a Corvette engine in the Impala SS, and it actually will outrun the SS. The SS, uh, the Impala SS was rated at uh, 260 horsepower. Marauders came with 310. Uh, the, one of the major differences, you know, they're using premium gas, they're using, using higher octane gas, and uh, I don't really know if there's any major difference in the transmission. They both offered four speeds, but there's a, a, a of course, I've watched a bunch of them. There's dozens of videos of them two going up against each other, because again, they're considered somewhat competitive. They weren't direct competitors because they came out yeah. like eight years apart, but just in the in the car collector mindset, they're, they're you, you get one or the other. I kind of want one of each, to be honest. Yeah, no kidding, man. No, <laughs> but, that, those are two awesome cars. The SS, I was always a big fan of uh, the Impala, the whole Impala series. Uh, and I'd never honestly seen a Marauder until I saw yours. Right, I, it, I didn't even know they existed. They, I'm they, just gonna tell you I, that. That's one thing I love about that car is a lot of times I'll be at car shows and people will look at that thing and be like, Marauder? I've never heard of that before. Yeah. That was me the first time I saw one. I saw a silver one and they only made 11,000 of them. And uh, they only made them from 03 to 04 and uh, 7,000 of them were black. And then there was, I think, about 3,000 silver ones and then only a couple hundred red or blue. There was a guy who would bring his to a car show. It was red with a supercharger and a sunroof. There was probably only like five of them that had that <laughs> spec. And he only had like 40,000 miles on that thing. But I'm, I'm still kind of hoping that they continue to go up in value because I invested in one. But uh, I'm kind of worried they won't because kind of the attitude I've been seeing from like the Panther platform folks on like online and stuff like that is wh why spend an extra 10 grand for a Panther platform when you can get a Crown Vic for like oh, 3,000 yeah. bucks. That but makes sense. We oh. actually have a question about a, about a Crown Vic. That'll be coming up here. Uh, one, of, one of the emails from one of our listeners is about a Crown Vic and uh, uh, more dashboard work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to get into this. As a matter of fact, we have uh, Leslie on the phone with us here on the Motor Mouths. And uh, Leslie and her husband have a Ford Econoline van at 2008. Leslie, tell us about what's going on with your van and the dashboard problems. So one day, it's a um, 2008 Ford um, Econoline passenger van. Mm -hmm. I'm driving down the road, and it starts alarming, sounding like everything's going to explode, whatever. Um, and couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, my husband had told me that, I guess the day before, he had gone to drive it and cranked it up, and there was the installed DVD player started smoking. So this was an so, aftermarket DVD player? Yeah, it's an aftermarket DVD player. Okay. Did you guys and we didn't put, put it did, in it. Okay. 
right. No, oh, no, right. it came with the van when we when we bought it. It was used. Um, didn't really think anything about it. Um, he um, he unplugged it from the. I don't know what he did. He disconnected it. Mm-hmm at the at the unit well and it just kept doing that and so we just didn't drive it and didn't drive it and we were wanting to sell it and um we had it looked at and they said well we think your instrument panel is bad and they gave us the name of somebody who could do it and they wanted like a thousand dollars he's kind of a butthead so he didn't want to do it um your husband so, is kind of the butthead is that you're calling your husband the butthead? no right? no oh, okay. no 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 the guy he talked to that oh. replaces the panel oh i got you okay. So he's like, yeah, yeah, sorry. So he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and do this myself, um, because I know that you can send them in, yeah, and somebody yeah. can redo it and all of that. Well, he went ahead and took the panel off, and he started looking, and he noticed, and and this is him telling me, so um, I'm probably gonna mess it up. But it, wherever they, I don't think they even grounded the DVD player, maybe, um, but where the wires, wherever they spliced it in. Um, he said it looked a little like fra- like a exposed, little smoky, like yeah. something had happened, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and there was some exposed wiring. So he just took that off altogether, um, put the put the panel back on, and uh, was driving it. It was driving fine, no alarms. I mean, he's probably driven it like over 200 miles now, but the blinkers are not working now. And that that just started, or that started after he uh, after he the... did the yeah. So it's been doing mm-hmm. that ever since. Well, my my first instinct actually is. A lot of times these kits that are used to change out the stereo and hook, hook up these DVD players and stuff like that, it's the same thing in my Chevy. Right. They come with a small uh, little, it'll be like a little box, and it actually reroutes, the. because a lot of times the turn signals, the ticking noise comes from the stereo mm-hmm. cluster. And it's very possible okay. that when that was disconnected. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, oh, and I don't think the radio works anymore either. Yeah. Right. This, then that's, yeah, that's right. It doesn't. It, it, you'd want the uh, there would have to be some kind of either you put the the, the um, original stereo back in there the the stock one or there's uh, when you buy when you buy an aftermarket head unit the the you got to buy the wiring harness that connects to your car you got to buy a specific wire okay. harness for the vehicle it's that, the that original it's the original stereo so so the the stereo itself is original and the the, the DVD, DVD player, player was, was added bad. in after the fact is this like one of those Correct. ones that hangs from the ceiling mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, so so yeah. that would have to be spliced into the the whole the whole works back there without getting my hands on it to be able to look at it. I couldn't tell you specifically, but um, I'm not surprised right. that the turn signals aren't working. Those can be related. It is also possible that it fried the relay. There's a, a relay. Is I was ba- about to say the relay. Yeah, basically the relay is a low voltage signal goes to a little box that tells a, a a high voltage signal to send you know electricity to the blinkers to actually do the blinking. So okay. th- those so have a tendency to go bad. There will be a relay panel under, usually under the dashboard. I don't know off the top of my head in the Econoline uh, vans. It's either going to okay. be um, under the dash with near I the fuse panel, or or it'll be under the hood. A lot of times, the big relays and solenoids, those will be under the hood. But uh, it, vans, it, vans it, get weird with where they put yeah, these things. And it looks, it may look similar to a fuse, a fuse panel, but there will be bigger. Uh, the relays are right. the bigger squares. They're they're not the little fuses. The relays are the they, bigger. They fuses. look like they have metal on them or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, you you, you, you unplug them. There'll be like four plugs. On them, and um, okay. yeah. th- those have a tendency to go bad when when they get the wrong amount of voltage on one end or another. So uh, my okay. thought is, and I think Bud, you maybe agree with me on this. When he disconnected the DVD player, uh, the circuit is mm-hmm. not complete now. 
Very likely. There could be something open-ended okay. or something got grounded that wasn't supposed to be or a power wire got... You said it, You said there were some exposed yeah. wires. That could be any number of things yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Leslie, is anything else in the uh, cluster panel not working? Is It's just the turn signals and... D- does I the, believe it's does the, the stereo. Okay. And does the uh, does it light up when you turn the lights on? Um, I don't know. We've only done this during the day, so, I mean, that might be that might be an issue that we just don't know about yet. Yeah, I'm just curious if... Disturbing uh, it during the day. If the panel, if there's other things, you know, th- this could cause other issues. But you get back in there, man, and you get uh, messing with wires that I you... Know. that Especially with the radios. Like Bud's talking about, if you don't connect those wire harnesses correctly, not saying that you guys didn't, whoever did it before you when you got this thing... Uh, either clearly left something exposed or didn't correctly connect the harness and it screwed something up. And even though now you've disconnected the DVD player, uh, this the circuit is either not complete or something got fried in the process, like the relay. So, okay. And I know a 1000 bucks sounds so, like a lot. Unfortunately, electrical work and dashboard work does tend to be high labor cost because it's, it's it takes a lot of hours to dismantle these dashboards. Okay. Well, and just to, to, to locate the problem, I'm sure. Well, that's right. You're that's chasing after yeah, something. Yeah, you're going to start is... with the diagnostic cost. That's yeah. already 100 bucks out the door. I took a uh, I took a right. cluster a cluster panel out of my – I had an Audi A6, and it did what you're talking about. It it, it, it it There were certain parts of it that worked, certain parts that didn't work. The sig- the turn signals worked. I just couldn't see them on the cluster panel. And right. then my, my, oh, wow. my mileage – started going away the, the the digital market with the mileage and so i took the cluster out and sent it like she's talking about i i sent it off to a place in idaho and within three days i had it back completely rebuilt mm-hmm. and put it back in and it worked great but that had nothing to do with uh, the audio portion of the car so so it's probably not just i mean even if we did that the problem could right. still align the wiring that, that's yeah well, right check the check the relay rule that out as an option but beyond that it's probably okay. going to need some some heavy electrical work under the dash oh I mean, we've had that. We've had it since 2012. And um, no, I'm sorry, not 2012. Um, No, it was 2012. Um, And never had an issue with it. And then all of a sudden, it just decided to fry. I will bet you, and I'm without even seeing it, um, and have any idea whether it was professionally installed aftermarket or not, but either. Some electrical tape finally wore out if it's been this long. And slipped and off. Slipped yeah, off. Yeah, there was no tape on it. He said there was no tape. Okay. Well, that's okay. it. It's either gone or it never existed and it finally made contact with something it's not supposed to make <laughs> contact with. All right, Leslie, thanks for yeah. your time today on the Motor Miles. All we right, thank you all for getting out. back with me. Okay, take care. Appreciate it. Much appreciate that call from Leslie. So, Ditch, I got another dashboard situation, and it's something I'm kind of familiar with, too, which I think is kind of cool. So we were talking we were talking about dashboards and blend doors and heater cores, and we got an email here. It says, hey, guys, love the show. I have a 2001 Crown Victoria. I heard you guys talking about blend doors, and it seems to be the problem I'm having. My heat and AC is either all the way on or all the way off, and it only comes through the defrost. A shop quoted me $1,200 to fix it, which sounds outrageous to me. Is this something I could do myself? Is there a way to make it work? Uh, I've had the car almost 10 years, and I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, Thanks, Justin, for that email. And it's funny, I've done this job before the blend door on these crown vicks and we, we were talking about the panther platform it's the same across all all of them they've got this little tiny actuator that lives behind the stereo that in order to access it you've got to take off the glove box you got to take out the passenger airbag and you've got to unbolt there's four bolts that go across the top behind the little there's a little like pop-up panel that has bolts to pull the dashboard back you don't have to take it off completely but the, let me tell you how i did my marauder um <laughs> 
such a pain. Te- technically, you're supposed to take the whole dashboard off. That's why he's being quoted twelve hundred bucks. It's yeah. an eight hour job yeah. to pull that dashboard and have access for a to little this piece thing. that's probably this, it's the size of the palm of your hand. Yeah. And what you have to, what I had to do was there's a bolt, a bolt on the lower part of the dashboard, and then those ones across the back of it, and you can kind of pull it back about two inches, and you can weasel your hand in there. And what I did was uh, I pulled off the two bolts that are on the side of this thing and then broke off the two in the back. Yeah. And then on the new one, I broke the tabs off it. So it, it went back together with only two bolts holding it in place. But everything I looked at on the forum said that will work. And my experience is it will. That actuator is notorious in uh, the Panther circles for being just one of the worst jobs. And it's it's not if, it's when it fails. It's a tiny little so, plastic gear that strips in there. Uh, we should, you know, real quick though, a blend door is the thing that tells where your air to go. Right. There's yeah. ducts inside your dashboard and uh, there's a little actuator that blocks off this duct and opens up that duct and that's how it goes from your defrost to the floor or to the dashboard or whatever uh, changes you're trying to make. And, the, you know, as, as cars have become more user-friendly and more luxury-oriented, they, they have more of that in there to give you more options. And it is a pain if your blend door fails because you may need uh, a defrost or you may not want the air blowing on your knees. Maybe you want it blowing on the, the dash level, the yeah, shoulder Yeah, and a lot level. of times it, it totally negates that, you know, you, when you select the temperature, if you want it to, you know, not all the way hot or all the way cold, you want it in the middle, that's usually controlled by a blend door. So if your blend door is shot, which this one that he's describing in his Crown Vic, it's probably that one, is more than likely controlling that. So that's why it's either all the way on or all the way off. So the question is, can he do it himself? And the answer is yes, probably. It depends on how mechanically inclined you are. Um, there's plenty of information out there on how to do this because this is a notorious job. You aren't the first one to run into this one, Justin. It is definitely something a lot of Panther owners have experienced and dealt with. And 1200 bucks. It may sound outrageous, but again, it's an eight-hour job it's if they do it by the book. It's the time much more than anything else because you're going to have to take a lot of yeah, things that, off. Yeah, that part's like 35 it. bucks. Yeah. It's, it's like nothing. Just frustrating. Thanks for listening to the Motor Mouths today. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. Until next Saturday, look forward to talking to you again. You can reach out to us on social media, uh, Rick's Powder Coating text line, 683-0989. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths.